You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the group think, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And yes, that is me, Daniel Horowitz of The Conservative Conscience. Believe it or not, after 140 episodes and so much growth, thank God, we finally have a new intro. So uh, you, you didn't show up at the wrong address here. That is The Conservative Conscience. Um, it's funny, you know, those of you who are with me from day one remember my buddy Joe Koss, who's still with us, by the way. He just uh, doesn't join me for the podcast anymore, so we had to change that intro music. I hope you guys like it. Um, wow, it is Monday, August 21st, the big solar eclipse day here in Northern Command of CR. And by the way, our folks at Southern Command, which is Greenville, South Carolina, are enjoying a nice fair skies day right in the path of totality. Uh, here in Northern Command, we got to enjoy, uh, what is it, 80% uh, coverage. But, um, you know, most major religions believe that solar eclipses portended some sort of omen. Um, and there's a lot of omens going on in politics. It started on Friday when Steve Bannon announced his exit. He was pushed out of the Trump administration we're going to discuss what that means for conservatives, why this has become the Flight 93 presidency, why there is nothing left to hope for in a sustained long-term way in this presidency. There's nothing left to hope for in this Republican Party and why it is time to do what we've been doing for quite a while here throughout the election, throughout the post-election, standing for what we believe in, starting a new movement, articulating our views, our principles on systemic government reforms, on policy issues, and eventually starting a new party. Because whether you are for Trump enthusiastically, whether you are a tepid supporter, or whether you never supported him, if you are somewhat of a conservative in any way, or really just an American at this point, with the two parties just a a dumpster fire, you should all unite and support this agenda of, of starting a new party. You know, it's been 99 years since we've had a solar eclipse, a total solar eclipse across such a broad swath of the country going from west to east. But it's been 163 years since we started a new party. The GOP was started in 1854. After just 27 or so years of the failure of the Whig Party, here we've gone three decades since Reagan and we've done nothing, nothing. And the country is worse than ever. There's a lot going on here. You know, Trump's announcing another hypocritical move, his Afghanistan troop surge likely tonight. We'll find out. Um, Kissing up to Turkey. Mattis is over in Turkey this uh, week, you know, at a time when we could do so much through soft power going after Qatar and Turkey. That's where all the money is. That's where the soft power is. That's how you go after both the Sunni and Iran um, jihadists because Turkey and Qatar stand at the nexus of both. Um, No, we're increasing our troop level in Afghanistan to fight over mud huts that literally have nothing to do with us after 16 years of failure. Another broken promise. Um, 
You got Tillerson out there saying racism is evil and therefore he's pledging to boost diversity at the State Department. All righty, so that's that. Um, we got Judge Moore surging, surging in Alabama. I'm going to have an article out on this later showing how he's now up by 20 points against Luther Strange in the first runoff prime uh, poll and his, his uh, support is wide and deep. All markets, all demographics, um, co- consolidating the support of the other candidates that dropped out after the first round. So that is looking very good. And like we said last week in our last episode, that was episode 139, Judge Moore speaks to this goal that I'm talking about of evacuating from the false dichotomy and actually standing affirmatively for what we believe in. Because frankly, you have no other choice now. Until now, um, a lot of people I know genuinely either thought Trump would make America great again or they knew he was kind of a problem, you know, personality-wise, character-wise, even ideologically. But it was the best we could hope for. And, you know, there are some good things he's saying. Maybe we can get stuff done. Hey, Steve Bannon's in the White House. He'll take care of us. Well, that's no longer. Understand that there is nobody who brought President Trump to the ball more than Bannon. Although I guess you'd say Jeff Sessions as well among conservatives. And uh, guess what? You know, Bannon is gone and Sessions is gone in all but name only. He just can't fire him because there's no way Trump could go through a Senate confirmation. You know, if, if that weren't the case, he'd fire him as well. So my point is there's there's nobody who is going to ever have more cachet, more influence with Trump than Bannon. And if Bannon couldn't make that work after seven months and he's gone, this is over. It's President Jared Kushner. I mean, you could not have written a book that is more perfidious, more absurd, reflective of a revolution landing in the same place it started even more so than Animal Farm, than Trump Farm. Every last thing they pledge to do, the globalists, the New York, Goldman Sachs, Goldman Sachs. (laughs) It's funny, the only person from Goldman Sachs who's no longer in the administration is Steve Bannon. Now, the reason why this is significant is because Steve Bannon... You know, whatever you think of him, there's a lot of different opinions on, on the right. A lot of people have don't like him his personality um there's this whole false dichotomy which i want to discuss uh you know obviously thank god we've we've had a lot of growth in the conservative conscience over the last number of months since the election you know while everyone's really tailed off since the election we've grown since the election because we've actually given a vision beyond just this false dichotomy but those of you who were with me understand that this this is the ping pong we were going through throughout the election well, you're either the failed, what I call thumb-sucking right, which is, you know, I've cr- I criticized them during last episode. We saw their pathetic reaction, jumping on board this whole Charlottesville nonsense. Meanwhile, over the weekend, we see there's more violence in the city of Boston from, from the leftists than so-called neo-Nazis in the entire country. And neo-Nazis, again, have nothing to do with anyone on the right, no right donor, no one condones them. Um, and here, these people are tearing apart our cities and really trying to harm police i mean imagine if your son or husband or whoever else was is a riot cop um having to deal with that just just the money we have to expend to deal with them 
very big public policy problem, but of course no one talks about it. And and this uh, well-fed right doesn't care. So therefore we need Trump. You know, th- this was the old Steve Dace comment about being caught between the horrible failed status quo of the, conserv- of the conservative movement, which was never really conservative, versus a French Revolution. You know, there's a third option, like an American Revolution. We need a revolution. We need... so. Steve Bannon is kind of like the French Revolution. He's obsessed with this populist nationalist thing, this and that. Look, I have no love loss for that phony ideology. But what I did, number one, Steve Bannon was always nice to me personally. So, you know, I have no reason to, on a personal level, say bad things about him. Number two, at the end of the day, it was him or the leftists. I mean, it was that false dichotomy within the administration. So he was the only voice left that was pro-Israel, that was good on immigration. Again, I didn't agree with some of his economic populism, you know, that wasn't free market populism, which, you know, if, if Steve would be more grounded in constitutionalism, he'd understand you could use the same effective rhetorical populist arguments, but anchor it in free markets, constitutionalism, limited government. Instead, he kind of veered into some of the, the Elizabeth Warren stuff on taxing the rich and this and that. Um, but on many, many issues, Iran... Um, he was he was the only one holding down down the fort. He's gone now. So this so-called disagreement between con- constitutionalists and populist nationalists that, that that's irrelevant now because right now you're getting the swamp. And what I did like I said what I did appreciate about Bannon and this is a big part of the profundity of what went on during the campaign and why we have Trump is that he diagnosed the problem properly. I didn't agree with all of his solutions because I don't think he was grounded in constitutionalism. So obviously he said kind of, you know, he adopted screwy positions on many things. We, we don't need to look towards European nationalist movements to gain our inspiration. We have, we should be getting it from our, you know, from, from America's, A, Judeo-Christian values, from America's traditions, founding, our founding fathers. I don't need to look at Le Pen, you know, for inspiration when we have Madison and Calvin Coolidge. So we know where we want to head. Now, the thumbsuckers say they believe in the same things we do, but then, well, actually, now they, they don't because they're for open borders and all sorts of crazy stuff, getting involved in Islamic civil wars while depleting our deterrent to actually do what's right, both in the Middle East, Iran, North Korea, um, and then certainly immigration, homeland security, Muslim brotherhood problems, they're, they're out to lunch, totally out to lunch. So on the one hand, his solutions on many issues were wrong, but he identified the problem. And the problem is that what we're doing is not working. He appreciated the fact that the swamp is so irremediably broken that that there's this polluted ideology embedded in the minds of every cultural elitist. And it's not just Hollywood, the media, government, academia, the foundations, but even the business world. I mean, you see how they just run out. Oh, white supremacists, uh, you know, adopt the homosexual agenda, whatever, whatever is going on. They, they are now the most potent force of cultural cultural Marxism, the business community. Again, because they're economic Marxists too. They use the boot of government to obtain their advantage. They're not for free markets. 
he understood that you have to punch them in the face. That, you know, just just last week, I'll give you a perfect example. I wrote an article how about about us us um arming Hezbollah. We are literally arming the Lebanese military, which is a, a, nothing but a client of Hezbollah. And there are now pictures of our, you know, U.S. Abrams tanks getting uh, paraded around by 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 Hezbollah with the Hezbollah flag. Some of that came from Iraq because we're sharing bases with them to help Iran fight ISIS, which is unbelievable. Um, but some of it came from from Lebanon. And, you know, even the conservatives I spoke to that staffers that agreed with me, but they were like, yeah, you know, the military says this and the Pentagon says this. It's so devoid of common sense, and there's so there's just no moral clarity. And 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 Bannon would come in there and just blow it up. Now, again, sometimes he'd wind up in the same place. That that's what a French Revolution is. But but that is gone now, and and that is the dichotomy that led to the rise of Trump. Many of us who supported Cruz were caught in the middle because we're like we totally agree with you. We totally agree with you that for two generations, the so-called conservative movement is about nothing but clicks and clickbait and making money and doing nothing to actually solve the cultural problems, economic problems, security problems. It's a joke. But we're like, dude, the answer isn't Trump. You'll see. I mean, he's the embodiment of that. I have dozens upon dozens of articles and podcasts saying, you know, to, to that effect. But then. You know, we got washed out because it was just, you know, you'd have a bunch of people on the right attacking Trump from the left. So it just further fueled the rise of Trump and the endearment of Trump in the eyes of the base because like, man, this guy's great. And and he was tapping into a lot of that common sense people were looking for and the things he was saying. Now, some of us understood who he was, the people around him, the Jared and Ivanka dynamic, and we knew where this would end up. And it this is still what's going on. He's still saying things we like. I guarantee you, Tuesday night at the Arizona rally, he's going to act as if his as if he's not the president. He's going to rail against his own administration, which is a joke. But anyway, that's how we got here. I I agreed with Bannon. I agreed with these folks on the premise of where we how we got here, why we got here. And, and and what needs to be done, that it, we need a total revolution. Totally agreed with him on that. You know, again, let's let's not allow other disagreements to cloud the fact that the conservative ink movement it was a problem, is a problem. It's irremediably broken. It's a complete joke. They don't stand for anything. They don't want to do anything. So I've never had a problem with that. And, and look. I, I said all along that even as it relates to Ted Cruz, I, I thought he would be able to maybe move the ball forward. But fundamentally, it wasn't like, oh, vote for Cruz. Oh, phew. come November, we're done. We're, we save the country. No, that's when the work begins. We always needed to rebuild a movement built upon our principles, built upon our policy prescriptions, a new infrastructure. We always had to do that. And this is what I told people throughout the election. The biggest question was, oh, oh my gosh, are we going to vote for Trump or not? It was a big question for those on the right that didn't like Trump. Oh, but Hillary, but Hillary. And what I kept telling people is, you're not asking the most important question. The most important question is not whether you're going to vote for Trump or not. 
do what you want. You want to vote for him, vote for him, not, not, whatever. It's in addition to your ballot, you casting your ballot for president, what else are you going to do? Are you going to help me out in primaries? Are you going to work on the policy issues? Are you going to work on creating a new movement that could eventually work and serve as a new party? And we'll hopefully, if we have time, we'll, we'll elaborate on that a little bit later, what I mean by that in, in today's context. This dichotomy was, was best embodied through an article that really went viral and defined much of, of what I'm talking about. It, w- it was called the Flight 93 election, written by Publius Desis Moose. Um, it's a Elias uh, for um, what was later known as Michael Anton, who um, went on to work for the administration. I believe he's still there, but marginalized, obviously. And uh, this this individual, Michael Anton, he wrote at Claremont, and and I love I love the Claremont people. I mean, they they very much, pretty much, are are aligned with with what we believe here at the Conservative Conscience. Um, maybe I'm a little bit more of a tra- traditionalist, more of a Kirkian than a Strauss- Straussian, but especially as it relates to today's battles, we should be united. There really shouldn't be much of a difference. Um, and he wrote the Flight 93 election. Now, let me just first say I apologize ahead of time. You know, the title of this podcast is going to be the Flight 93 Presidency. And I would have never used this on my own, um, just the sensitivity of it, to use this analogy and this title uh, to describe a political uh, phenomenon. But, but um, you know, nonetheless, this was really imbued into the body politic. So I'm just piggybacking off of it and tweaking it. But he, his basic thesis was... Let me just read the introduction. 2016 is the Flight 93 election. Charge the cockpit or you will die. You may die anyway. You are the other or or the leader of your party. You make it into the cockpit and not know how to fly or hand the plane. There are no guarantees except one. If you don't try, death is certain. And he goes on to explain, and again, I agree with a lot of it, how no matter what, the conservative movement was dead. There's nothing to save. Um, let, me, let me just read a line from you or a paragraph that I actually agree with before I get with what I disagree with and how it relates to, to where we stand now. Conservatives spend at least several hundred million dollars a year on think tanks, magazines, conferences, fellowships, and such, complaining about this, that, the other, and everything. And yet these same conservatives are at root keepers of the status quo. Oh, sure. They want some things to change. They want their pet ideas adopted, tax deductions for having more babies and the like. Many of them are even good ideas. But are any of them truly fundamental? Do they get to the heart of our problems? And for those of you who read my book, Stolen Sovereignty, read my columns, healthcare, immigration, the courts, the system of government, what we need to do, you'll, you'll, you know, proper forming the way we go about doing primaries. You know, I'm very much about this, and he is very much channeling what I believe. Let me continue. With uh, Michael Anton, if conservatives are right about the importance of virtue, morality, religious faith, stability, character, and so on in the individual, if they are right about sexual morality or what came to be termed family values, if they are right about the importance of education to inculcate good character and to teach the fundamentals that have defined knowledge in the West for millennia, 
if they are right about societal norms and public order, if they are right about the centrality of initiative, enterprise, industry, and thrift to a sound economy and a healthy society, if they are right about the soul-sapping effects of paternalistic big government and its cannibalization of civil society and religious institutions, if they are right about the necessity of a strong defense and prudent statesmanship to, to the international sphere, if they are right about the importance of all of this to national health and even survival, then they must believe, mustn't they, that we are headed off a cliff. <laughs> Meaning, how could you ch- ch- channel these same ideas and then act as if there's nothing? But I'll, I'll just read one more line. But it's quite obvious that conservatives don't believe any such thing, that they feel no such sense of urgency of the immediate necessity to change course and avoid the cliff. And amen. The, 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 this is the thesis of what I do. This is why I'm working so hard to elect people like... like um Judge Moore and other candidates, and Chris McDaniel. This is why I rec- I was the first person to recruit against Mitch McConnell. I knew we needed we needed a decapitation strike. This is why I'm working with the folks at the Federalist Party to start a new party. This is why I'm working with so many people on trying to find the easiest way to message the most force multiplying systemic reforms on the critical issues of our time that talk beyond the trite talking points of pseudo-conservative think tanks. I'm doing all of this. But but here's where my agreement with this ended. The solution. It was a beautiful diagnosis of the problem. Here's the one problem is, and as I warned, and as I have been proven right, and the bitter irony is Michael Anton, I'm sure he's miserable in the administration now that he serves in, Trump ain't the solution. He's not the problem, but he reflects the problem and he'll become part of the swamp. And the joke is now there's not a single Republican, much less conservative in the West Wing. So there you go. The the two points of disagreement I had with this were as follows. Number one, again, Trump's not the solution. Trump is not the storming the cockpit. That's not, you know, it wasn't a question of landing the plane. It was a certitude that he would come in and join with the with the with the hijackers. Number two, I fundamentally disagree, and and those of you who remember me from last year will know this is a know me as a broken record on this. <laughs> there is no red line. There is no cliff. It's more of a slope. It's a hill. In other words, the status of our country is both worse than these people make it out to be, and it's better. What do I mean by that? It's worse because nobody's going to save it. Nobody's going to save it. At the end of the day, there, sadly, much of our history, tradition, family values, culture, civil society is gone. It's irrevocably gone, and no matter who we elect, we're not going to resurrect it. Now, before you either say, oh, well, we're screwed, you know, let's go home. But to the extent there is what to salvage and establish a foothold to try to, you know, establish some some decency in this country, some semblance of our constitutional republic, there's no bright red line or cliff that, oh, if the Hillary wins, we're, we're dead. Oh, if this person, this year, this moment, this date, this second, you cross that line, we're dead. No, I mean, every time it it gets worse. 
But keep in mind, there's always a rubber band effect in politics. And sometimes the more liberals get power, especially because they're so crazy, and you're seeing evidence of this in the polling, um, it actually provides even more opportunity for us to come back, you know, in a rubber band effect. So I agree. I mean, this is dire. We are losing our country. But the notion that it's like, oh, it's now or no. no. It's, it's not a matter of one impetuous movement. It's a matter of Micah 6-8. It's a matter of standing for what's right. It, but but I, don't, I don't mean in a, in a phony way like this guy was ex- describing the hundreds of millions of dollars spent on the phony think tanks and magazines. I'm talking about actually building from bottom up a new movement, a new party. To me, the Flight 93 is the creating the new party. But again, the Flight 93 is not such a good analogy. It's more of a gradual thing because the thing with Flight 93 is if you get in there and you land the plane, you save everyone. It's as if nothing happened. Look, maybe you're going to have a little bit PTSD and uh, you know, sh- you know, stress and trauma that's going to live on in some of the people that went through it for the few minutes as the plane was falling. But you know, you're fundamentally saving everyone's life, and it's over. It's as if it didn't happen. Whereas, um, you know, if you don't cr- if you don't get in there within those minutes, everyone's instantaneously dead. And that's just, I mean, on the face of it, it's just intellectually wrong, and it's just not what we're dealing with. It's it's more gradual than that. Um, there's, you know, there's more time and, but I agree the sense of urgency, but it's not a sense of urgency. Oh, just vote for Trump. Even if Trump weren't what we thought he was and what he turned out to be, you know, and and by the way, speaking of what Trump was and what he turned out to be, um, you know, I just want to read you here from, from a friend of mine who is very much part of this populist nationalist thing that you know, retroactively created this intellectual movement to try to come up around Trump. And he says there's either three conclusions you can draw from Trump. One, Trump has no core and is simply manipulated by his daughter, son-in-law, and their chosen cronies. Two, he has a core set of New York values, which are actually mostly aligned with his family and close friends and has been using us all along. Three, his heart is genuinely with us, but he is just too dim-witted to see what's really going on. It's really all three and none of the three. Meaning, what it really is, is all he cares about is personal. So if you're a communist and you kiss up to him personally, he'll love you. If you're a right-winger and you kiss up to him personally, love you and vice versa. Um, but it is all of that's true. He's too dim-witted to see what's going on. Um, it, it's true he does, I think, intuitively have certain instincts that align with us, but those instincts aren't strong enough. He doesn't have values and principles and God in his life enough behind those instincts to overpower the other stuff. And then certainly, yeah, it's true that he's used to some New York values and he's used to being around his daughter and, and, and son-in-law and they have influence over him. So that's all certainly true. No question about it. But back to the Flight 93 stuff, here we are now and we have a Flight 93 presidency. We have a flight. What I mean by this is, is as follows. We were told that you had a moral obligation to ensure Hillary didn't win, even though you have conscience issues with Trump, because we're going to die. So the question is, now that we've vanquished Hillary, she'll never be president. Trump is president. Don't you have a moral obligation to do the real Flight 93 and join together and just evacuate from this defending Trump counter defense of the reaction to the media from the media and spend most of your time joining whatever you want to call yourself, a populist nationalist or a constitutional conservative. Either way, the Republican Party under Trump, under McConnell and under both will never work for us. 
and start a new party. That's, that's your obligation to evacuate from this. Because what's going to happen anyway is now with the base dispirited, with the left is going to be as, as energized as ever. We're, we're, see, Trump's going to give us some of the talking points, but none of the policy outcomes. And that's actually worse because he's going to dip our gold into feces. I'd rather he just talk the way he governs. I'd rather he just say liberal stuff when we can just disown it because that's what's happening anyway. Instead, we, we kind of own it. So it, it makes our ideas unpopular with his 33% approval rating. Don't you have an obligation now? Because otherwise, guess what? Come 2020, if you don't help and work the next few years to start a new party where someone could run, guess what you're going to have? Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, who knows what piece of garbage? Terry McAuliffe. Everything you didn't want in Hillary, you're going to get. You're going to get worse. Because she was so hated, she would never have had a, had, had a mandate. As bad as she would have been. So this is the question for all you guys that are so into oh, Bannon and this and this movement. It's over. It's over. N- nobody is going to. I mean, what this demonstrates is with Bannon out, it's a free shot now for, for Jared and Ivanka. There, there's nothing that's going to stop them. So, I mean, th- th- there's no excuses anymore. We have to evacuate from this and start a new movement. I'm not doing this for three and a half years. It's not to say that sometimes it's it's not worthwhile when Trump says something we agree with and the media responds, whatever. I mean, like we saw with last week, there were a lot of principles to be honed from what was going on. But that that's what God wants from us. God wants from us to do what's right, to have a movement ready, that when the opportunity presents itself, which I think it will, we could actually do what we said we were going to do. We could truly get in there and get rid of the hijackers and land the plane. Because right now, whether it's his ignorance, whether it's his connections, whether it's his, his uh, whether he's really like that, he joined, he joined the hijackers. That's where we're at now. So if, you, if you're on that Flight 93, you know, I know a lot of people are really into that essay. If you're into that, well, that's where we stand now. We're, the Flight 93 is still going on. It's not a three-minute crash to the bottom. It's a number of years. But again, a plane is not a good analogy because it's a gradual, you know, um, I, I would say what it, what it really is um, is just a degenerative di- disease that this country has that a lot of it, is irrevocable, but you might be able to get a cure that will stop it in its place and, you know, maybe heal a little bit of it, but a lot of it, you know, a lot of the rock guts there, you know, the patient won't be able to walk or function properly, but will be able to maybe live, you know, carry out a, a good life. Um, you know, the flight 93 stuff, like I said, it just, it just technically makes no sense. But, but that's where we are at this moment. We, this is a flight 93 presidency. Just last week was announced for August, the White House, despite Trump's fiery rhetoric, is paying the insurance cartel ransom, doing the insurance bailout. This is a joke. 
if, if Steve Bannon couldn't make it, I don't understand who you think, oh, no, Trump's going to, oh, oh he, well, we need to get rid of McMaster. Uh, really? I mean, it's like, they're all like that. And also, at some point, you need to look at the man himself. I mean, if everyone around him is a liberal, I mean, you know, it's like, this guy's undermining the Trump agenda. Well, what is the Trump agenda if everyone around him is like that? But I digress here. I mean, this this is like this is like Animal Farm. But back to what back to the path that we we, we need to embark on. You know, I'm, I'm thinking. Uh, you know, I, I tried to record this right before the beginning of the solar eclipse, just because you know I wanted to see it. It's it's so rare, and I was just thinking that there, there's there's so much to learn from it. Um, just just a couple of random thoughts that um just how how small and tiny we are how insignificant we are as human beings that something so big as the sun the sun is the pretty much the biggest creation um in in all creation and so much so that for so many years that was the central deity of uh of the pagans they worshiped the sun and here god could take the moon something that's i believe it's it's about one four hundredth the size of the sun, and at least from the vantage point of where humans are on Earth, completely block it out during the day, as if it doesn't exist. Just boom within within a couple of seconds, couple of minutes. This is what's going on is so much bigger than us, and that's what we all humbly have to submit. It's not our job to land the plane. Our job is to do the right thing. Do the, the, the right thing. God is totally in control of this. Things are moving so rapidly. All we have to do is have a movement in place that is worthy of God's grace to accept that blessing from him, you know, to hopefully, hopefully restore this country to a certain extent. And whatever, whatever God God's will is, I know, you know, different people have different... Uh, Theologies behind the end of times, which I certainly believe we're we're pretty much uh, there at this point. Um, but but that's that's what it is. It's it's it happened so quickly. We are so small. This notion that you're going to put your put all your eggs in the basket of a human being, that especially one that never asked for God's forgiveness, I mean, really get off of it at this point. You know, I, I don't care who it is. Our goal has to be an all-of-the-above approach, whether it's Article 5 conventions, whether it's working more on primaries, whether it's trying to change laws to have state conventions instead of primaries. And what I'm saying is this is not – you know, this doesn't undermine the broader goal of starting a new party because you might ask me, well, what's the point in having primaries? Here's the the way I'll answer that. The point at, to have primaries at, at this juncture is not to just elect another so-called conservative Republican because that's not going to do anything for us. It's to elect people, and this is why I'm into Judge Moore, that literally the way they are elected, they will have no allegiance to the Republican Party. So they're literally rhinos, Republican in name only. They're just using it for ballot access. And then over time, that will be part of maybe some people will, will run as a Federalist. Maybe someone will run, run as a Republican and get in, and then at, a, at the right time, we just make a jump for it. We make a jump for it and just break off. 
we're never going to get enough people to take over the party from within. I'm long done that goal. If you're one of those, I'm sorry, you haven't been paying attention to, our, to what, what we've all been doing. You just you can't take over a cesspool. But I do think we could get in enough people because it doesn't take many to be a potent enough force to break away as elected officials once we have them and start that new party. That this is kind of my middle ground. Um, and, and also, I do think rather than, you know, I know my buddy J.D. Rucker at, you know, who, who now is helping lead or co co-founder of the Federalist Party. We'll, we'll try to have him back on our podcast another day. He, he, he very strongly, on the one hand, believes in building up, you know, from state and local races, having candidates. But I, I think concurrently, you could also shoot for the moon. I think 2020, there's enough time that, you, look, I, look, I don't know what's going to happen then. It, it, it's so dynamic. It's so every day is like a year in this political climate. But you have to be prepared. Maybe we could have a candidate. And then once you have it on a presidential level, you could work backwards. I mean, that's boom. You have your you have your movement. You have your party right in one election. Um, you know, so maybe we don't have twenty eighteen, but maybe get twenty twenty. Keep in mind, eighteen fifty four, when the Republican Party started, they didn't have an Abraham Lincoln right away. It took six years. And but that's the point. If we until now do what we can, stand for what we believe in, make our statements on what we believe in in sovereignty, security, civil society, in healthcare reform, in fixing the courts, fixing federalism, fi- you know, ch- t- um, t- tapping into localism, then maybe someone with talent could come along and and ride that with us. Not a charlatan who never believed in it, but it's just you know like like the problem we had last time, but. Someone who actually does. And given this is not so far flung because given that Trump is going to lose a lot of the base, but given that he is going to be the incumbent, then his personality looms so large. He'll always have a certain floor. The Democrats will always have a certain floor, but they're going to really lose it because they're so nutty and they're getting more extreme by the day. So there's a whole and then you might have crazies like Kasich take away a good chunk of the Democrat base that's not as crazy and maybe some independents and Republicans. And and by the way, I welcome a guy like John Kasich running because the more the merrier we need to break the, the, the binary. Once you, once you break it, then, then fine. Then if we have four or five, that's, that, that's great. (laughs) If we could have someone win with, with a 20%, you throw it to the house of representatives. I mean, whatever. I mean, look, that gets a little complicated, but I'm just saying, once you get on the map, the key here is to get on the map. Once you get on the map and your ideas are sound, I think the sky's the limit. The hardest thing about this is getting started. Um, but but th- this this is what I'm looking to do. You know, I'm going to make some calls right when I get off with this, um, trying to organize a meeting, several meetings of of the mind of certain uh, leaders that haven't lost their principles and 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 share the understanding of both the status quo conservative movement and both the Trump presidency are not the answers and that what we're doing is not working we need to think harder wider deeper when we coalesce that movement you know hopefully again get together pray strategize and and as always email me your ideas let me know what you think um you know i always see some really great ideas and i i often adopt many of them um i'm just one man i'm just one man humbly trying to do what's right trying to do what I think God wants from from me, from all of us. And, uh, you know, that, that that's the best we can do. But that is my commitment here at the Conservative Conscience. 
boy, we've gone over time here. It's late. But as always, CRTV is your place to go. Get your subscription, promo code Harwitz, and Patriot Supply. In case the Eclipse is indeed an omen of bad things to come, make sure you get your 140 meals stocked up for just 99 bucks. Prepare with CR.com with our folks at Patriot Supply. God bless y'all. Until next time, this has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. Thank you.